we have a problem with empathy fatigue around the topic of death, especially coming out of this pandemic. For a small, small window, people started thinking about what would happen if I died, and they were socially excluded. That was a widow experience. Welcome to Financially Ever After Widowhood, the podcast where we empower women to take control of their financial future after the loss of a spouse. I'm your host, Stacey Francis, President and CEO of Francis Financial, an award-winning and nationally recognized financial advisory firm. With the help of incredible guests, I'm ready to guide you through this challenging transition. Carolyn Moore is our guest today, and she founded the amazing nonprofit Modern Widows Club. Her work has been recognized internationally with her TED featured talk on how to support and comfort someone going through grief. She's appeared on the Oprah Winfrey Show, and she's become the leading voice in empowering women in widowhood, not only to find their inner strength, to become extraordinary mentors, leaders, and advocates in her own right. Her work has resulted in the development of socially innovative communities that have made permanent positive changes for widows around the world. In fact, her efforts have not gone unnoticed. She was selected to represent U.S. widows at the annual International Widows Day event this year on June 23rd. And I was fortunate enough to speak alongside Carolyn Moore as well at that amazing International Widows Day event. Today, we are lucky to have Carolyn here with us on the podcast. She's going to be drawing from her 12 years of experience building the Modern Widows Club, working with other widows like herself, and sharing insights to help guide you. We'll be talking everything about the challenges widows face with personal social isolation to the financial challenges that can create secondary losses as well. So without further ado, please help me welcome America's top widow advocate, Carolyn Moore. Carolyn, I'm so excited to have you here today. For all of you listening, Carolyn and I just came off of Capitol Hill together, starting a movement for National Widows Day. I couldn't be more excited to have you here to talk about this really important topic and to share your journey and your story. Thank you for joining. Thank you, Stacey. It was so wonderful to meet you in person. <laughs> I know. I have to say that time together was one of the most magical times of my life. Talking about a really heavy topic, there are definitely tears shed, but also I felt like I was leaving that meeting on wings, feeling so empowered about being an advocate for widows and being part of this really important movement. Carolyn, I mean, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your story. And for all of you, Carolyn started the largest organization for widows here in the United States called the Modern Widow Club. And you just don't do that on a whim. How did you come to find yourself here? I really have always believed it found me. <laughs> 
And no little girl grows up and goes, I want to be a widow and an advocate someday. No. <laughs> no. It certainly finds you because death knocks at your door. That is the introduction to that pathway. For me, just a mom, a business owner, a wife of 10 years in an amazing relationship, out for Valentine's Day, coming home, hit and run, driver caused our car to crash. That moment changed my entire life. I always say it's like my beautiful, perfect, loving, idyllic life got thrown into a dryer, put on tumble, and then handed back to me with completely unable to tangle everything that happened. And then that's what you live with every day. I had never experienced panic attacks, PTSD, grief, depression. I honestly was an extremely capable, resourceful woman. I was a professional interior designer with a 50-person interior design firm. This happening to my life was a tremendous shock. My daughters were two and four. Oh, my God. Everything was just beginning. My career, my life as a wife, my life parenting, it ended. It ended in one irresponsible act by another person that I never, ever knew who it was. And you just take it. And so the injustice of that is kind of where my journey started to the eventual rollout of becoming an advocate. That was the beginning, but you don't know that in the beginning. In the beginning, I don't feed my children before I support myself. How do you even deal with your grief when you're trying to raise your children? I have very little help. You know, an interesting part about that is some people would crumble under that, but I've always been really good independent. I've always been good solo. It almost made it easier for me to be solo, even though I needed help. I knew that the decisions that I was going to be making were my responsibility, and I had been a pediatric nurse in my 20s, so I knew what pressure was like. I knew yeah. delivering on the spot meant a crisis. I had already learned how to deal in crisis moments, but I had never done it in my own personal life. In some ways, that was training for me because you wake up and you just keep going. I felt like crying was a luxury. That happened in the shower after my daughters fell asleep. You learn how to compartmentalize your emotions because if you completely let it go off the rails, you don't get food on the table that day. You don't get dressed. You don't take a shower. And that is very common, very common story and why I have so much compassion and empathy for widows because I know what it's like to be that solo person. And then going and looking for support and not being satisfied with what I've spent. I can't even imagine where you are just in a day-to-day -day life of, okay, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And when you are able to lift your head to say, okay, how do I get support to move through this? How do I find my community? How do I find those others that have suffered a loss? not being able to find that. Is that what, unfortunately, really crappy situation was like, well, I guess I have to do this because 
you're not the only one. I mean, there are millions of widows across the United States. And I agree with you that I feel like just now we're starting to see amazing organizations like yours. And that's true. There was a moment where I remember very clearly laying on my bed and tears just rolling down the side of my face while I was looking at the ceiling. And I remember thinking, someday when I get strong enough, I'm going to change this. Why can't I find support? Why can't I find a community? Why can't I find a mentor? Why is no one out there leading? I'm not the first person that this has happened to. I can't be. That feeling was so lonely. And that isolation is crippling. And for me, I just went, someday, someday, right? I'll just keep looking. I found support for my daughters. And in there was some peer support while I was there with my children. Uh Honestly, I don't remember. (laughs) I really have no memories. I couldn't even talk. When I came out of that, I needed to find something that gave the pain some purpose. Yeah. Became a board member. Yeah. Started doing public speaking, representing the families that they served. That was my first introduction to speaking up for others. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how we often learn to speak up for others before we speak up for ourselves? And that journey and what you shared, and I don't want to gloss over it, of almost not remembering that time. Our body has that self-preservation where... It's almost like a tape where you almost have to skip that part because it's so painful and so difficult. You don't see it as someone else's story. That's how Mm. a lot of ways I had to cope with it. I had to pretend that a little bit because remembering my former life was so painful. Do you feel like this resonates with you that it's a double loss? It's a loss of your partner, but it's also the loss of the future that you had planned together and saw together for your family. Absolutely. I mean, I really felt like looking back and going forward was wiped out. Yeah. You exist in that sort of moment. It's very easy to lose hope. Yeah. Because now I understand the psychology of hope is a combination of two things, willpower and way power. And back then I had willpower. I was waking up every morning and willing myself to keep going. But what I was lacking was way power. I could not find resources. And it's the two of those combined together that I now know create solid hope that then turns into resilience. But I didn't have that knowledge. And that part I didn't know is the lack of knowledge was what was hurting me. Yeah. Because later when I found out in the book that I'm featured in, The Resilience, Science of Mastering Life's Greatest Challenges, that in the giving of support for others, see, that was my beginning, but then I also needed to receive support, and I was missing that. And I needed to find and imitate role models. Those were two things I had to go outside of myself to find, and they didn't exist. And it takes a very special person to go through that loneliness, go through that isolation, go through that challenge of lack of information and lack of role models to actually do something about it. When did you come up with the kernel of the seed of the Modern's Widows Club? I would love to know more of like how this came to be. And even more importantly, 
it is really a fantastic resource and solution and a home and a community. And I will share with all of you, I referred a widow that we work very, very closely with, just a very special woman whose loss of her husband created one of the deepest scars I've ever seen in the 20 years of working with women whose partners have passed away and was suffering for years, not just that acute right after the loss, but having that very strong, unable to process and move forward for years and years. I will tell you that she is on such a healthy path. What you have done is such a gift and so important. What is Modern Widows Club and all the great things that you guys do? Modern Widows Club was just really a simple idea that widows could find a safe space where they're not mm-hmm. understood. We just talk about the person we loved and weren't looked at strangely because we mm-hmm. or show a photo or talk about them like they're here today. I realize now that early on, I didn't have the ability to do that so freely. And that's what actually made me get so stuck around year six and seven. And so we opened sort of that portal. We didn't know that it was going to turn into the organization it is today. I had no idea how much it was going to resonate to be who you are now. And the freedom to dream about a new future without any kind of resistance from anyone and straight encouragement. So what I didn't know is that this is all about health. This is all about emotional health and physical health and spiritual health and relational health and financial health. It was all intermixed together happening, but in a way where we're not getting stuck. We're actually open possibility, thinking limitless, even though we had challenges. But in that environment, I mean, it started out as just two women who wanted to be mentored. And I thought, I've learned a few things in 10 years. I've got a Thursday evening available. (laughs) Just open up my door. I first tried to start actually a ministry at my church, and I got turned down twice. So I went, you know, my house is sweet and charming. Let's just have them come here. So it started very innocently, and we called it the Modern Widows Club because in the beginning, we were all fairly young. I think we were all in our 30s and 40s. But modern to me really stood out because modern, if you look at the actual definition of the word, it means right now. It could be every morning you wake up right now. Where are you and where are we going to go? So it didn't matter whether you were 20 or 50 or 80 or if it had been one week or one month or 10 years, it didn't matter. It was right now. And then together as a collective, we would learn from one another. And boy, did I. Honestly, the reason why I became an advocate is because I listened to tens of thousands of widows. And one of my strengths is connectedness. So I saw patterns happening with women who never had a conversation with each other. And I realized, wait a minute, bereavement leaves only three days? This woman had to go back to work after three days. What did that do to her? What did that do to her family? Uh One year after becoming widowed, she 
fell into tax debt. Why did that happen? <laughs> I started seeing these patterns happening. Bankruptcy, three to five years out. Just asking a lot of questions and being what we laugh about here at Modern Widows Club, being the curious cat of widowhood. <laughs> uh -huh. And you start seeing, wow, this is not just happening to her. It didn't just happen to me. It's happening again and again and again in the background of so many women's lives. And that was when I went, we need to band together. Uh -huh. Talking and saying, hey, did this happen to you? And really start saying, what's universal? What's universally dysfunctional about this experience? And then taking those things and saying, what if we told leaders, community leaders about this? What if we told places of worship about this? What if we told government legislators about this? What if we told, and we just kept going? And that uh -huh. advocacy really started growing in my life is really just this beautiful opportunity to listen to pure wisdom. These women do not think of themselves as wise. But when you think about being single and being married and being divorced, not every woman knows the experience of being widowed. You have had that happen in your life in order for you to gain the triumphs, you know, get through the trials and then have that unique kind of wisdom. And so I started realizing, wow, widows have something really incredible to give back. And what if we told them that? What if we told yeah. them how worthy they are and how valuable they are? And they started speaking up and asking for changes. So many people have had their bereavement policies changed at their places of work because they spoke up. And that's what advocacy looks like. It's like, how can we create more compassion and empathy in the world? Because when we create that compassion and empathy, we create healing. And that healing creates a growth mindset. And that growth mindset, we're freed. Wow. Liberty to create agency and a new identity for ourselves. And that is why I'm so inspired by this whole organization. You can tell just from how I'm responding here. Yeah. And I think what's interesting, Carolyn, I mean, things that you're talking about impact so many women, but we're not talking about the challenges widows face. Government is still not doing enough talking about it. I feel like they're not doing enough listening either. But why is it that you see so many commercials on TV for the ASPCA, which I am the first one. I have two adopted dogs. I am an animal lover very much. But when we think about the issues that are spoken about, there are so many topics that come, the financial challenges, the loneliness, the emotional heartache, the mental health issues. We're not speaking about that with how widows face and really struggle. Why is that? Because I know that for me, being on Capitol Hill, speaking my truth about the financial piece, but then more importantly, 
hearing other women on that panel speak about their experience of waking up the next day and not knowing how they're going to pay their bills, not knowing how they're going to raise their children on their own, not knowing what their life was going to look like. When you hear those stories, you can't unhear them and they change you forever. And they make you so darn committed to make sure that no other woman goes through these secondary tertiary losses, even outside of the loss of their spouse. But we still don't have a formal National Widows Day that's recognized by the federal government. Number one, why is this so important? And why is there not that groundswelling of movement in the same way for widows as some other causes? Well, first of all, widowhood, I learned from a researcher named Helena Lapata, who wrote a book in 1997 called Myths and Realities of Widowhood. And the very first sentence was, studying widowhood is hard. Even she knew, being a professional and having been a widow, this was going to be difficult to solve. There's a couple of things. First of all, in the Global Widows Report, we know that there are four reasons why widows universally suffer. First one is financial instability. So you're right there in the middle of that world. Second is disinheritance. I was clueless at this because we do have policies here to protect us. But when you look at the large majority of women who do not even inherit what is theirs, and sometimes not even their children, uh-huh. and it falls instead, you start looking at how complex the problems become. You don't know what your rights are, and you have no one defending you. So you go with flow. The third is government neglect. Absolutely. This is why we went to D.C. This is why we talked to about 10 legislators. To be honest with you, they had no clue. No one had come to tell them the challenges. Yeah, they don't know. There's never been a widowhood caucus on D.C. That's very telling right there. There's no special interest group or focus group studying, caring, overlaying all the different systems and seeing how we can better the future for widows. And then the fourth one is the most hurtful, and that is social exclusion. The way widows are excluded is, I didn't know it was going to happen to me, but neighbors went across the street not to talk to me. That's just so hurtful. Right. But then you look at how people respond, and this is what I have come to finally realize. When people feel uncomfortable and they have a pain point, they have two choices to make. Lean into that or have will or lean away. Will yeah. blind. Yep. Choose to be blind. They yep. resist hearing this, investing themselves in it. And we have a problem with empathy fatigue around the topic of death, especially coming out of this pandemic. For a small, small window, people started thinking about what would happen if I died. And they were socially excluded. That was a widow experience. Honestly, that wasn't foreign to me. The pandemic wasn't foreign to me. Oh, being isolated and uncertain about your future and thinking you might die. Oh, yeah, that, <laughs> that's pretty much what widows think about often. So the willful blindness kind of turns into intellectual rationalization. Why do I have to worry about it? It's not my situation. And so it comes way out here, somebody else can do that. 
Somebody else must be doing that. But the reality is they aren't. Because women like me have gone worldwide to find widows in Afghanistan, find widows in Ukraine, find widows in Latin America, find widows in the Philippines, find these women and talk to them and say, what's it like for you in your country? And I can tell you, every country's an equal offender. 39 countries right now have more than 1 million widows. The U.S. is number three, and we don't even do a good job with widows. However, yeah. we have the best opportunity to create change. And we so, do. And I think that it's so powerful and so important. You know, something that's really, I think, phenomenal about Modern Widows Club is that it's not only supporting widows, but you can also sign up for emails to get emails on a regular basis of how to be a widow advocate, how to support other widows in your life. And I am going to be 100% vulnerable and honest on my journey that it took me a lot of courageousness to realize that I didn't feel comfortable talking to widows. That came from a place of not wanting to say the wrong thing. Imperfection. Imperfection. And I have become a student. Part of the reason why I'm so dedicated to this is because being on that other side of the fence has really taught me how much harder it even is for someone who has gone through this loss. Because if I felt like that, and I'm a pretty self-reflective, pretty empathic and well-adjusted with my emotions, I can only imagine how others feel. And the thing that I have found is that the more that I have embraced listening, learning, and advocating, that feeling of not knowing what to say, that feeling of fear, that feeling of saying the wrong thing has gone away. I think it's so important how you talk about advocacy for widows, that it's not just about widows advocating for themselves. It's about all of us because almost all of us are going to be widows. It's a high percentage, 70% of married women from the statistics. But before I tell you that, what I'm hearing from you is that it made you a better person. I think I'm always continuing to learn, but I thank you for saying that. And, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to like share that that has been my journey over the last 20 years. But, you know, I hope that just being that vulnerable and sharing kind of where I was and where I am now. And trust me, it's still a journey. You may be there, even yourself too, where you kind of don't know what to say, but sometimes it's okay not to say anything and just to be there. And you, what you have learned from listening is such a valuable content because we do better when we know better. You're never going to know better until you have those conversations and you get real. And this is not easy stuff. I mean, the reason why people don't do their will and their estate planning, the number one is they just don't want to talk about death. This is not an easy topic. We're not talking about vacation to Paris. Or they can sleep more peacefully and get it done. Which, FYI, anyone listening financially ever after widowhood, you know that there are many different podcasts that we talk about the importance of state planning and really 
If you want to show the people you care about that you love them, you will do that. You will put that in place because not having your estate planning in place leaves a financial mess that can just ruin families, absolutely ruin families. Last opportunity to show how much you love someone. That's how I put it. It's your last opportunity to show someone how much you loved them. And you won't be here to see it. If we could all get to the point where we see it that way. And I'll go back to the statistics. From age 40, I did my first will at 36. I became widowed at 37, four months later. I didn't know these statistics, but you know what? I share them because people see themselves in them. From age 40 to 85, big gap for women, right? The percentage of women who are widowed go from 1% to 73% of women. Talking about a small amount of women, when you're between 40 and 50, it like jumps up 4 to 8% every decade. So if you're at 40, you're starting to move up to become potentially widowed. And the closer you get to 80, 73% of women, the majority of women in their 70s and 80s are widowed, and they're going to live longer. The only people who die at the same age, men and women, are in blue zones. They're the only places on earth where they die at the same age range. So not a lot of people live in blue zones or know where they are. And what are blue zones? Because I have not heard that. Blue zones are where the environment and the culture and the community all lives in amazing harmony. So multi-generational community living. Everybody helps each other. Yep, got it. And then the food is coming from a very natural state where there's very little processing, very little distance where the food comes from. So the blue zones is a holistic way of living. And most of the people that live in those areas men and women. So if you actually look back in history, men and women used to die near the same age, but women for I don't know how long, they have all started living longer. And part of that is because how we cope with stress. Experts now are saying because of the XX brain that we have versus the XY, when something attacks our body, it has actually both X's. If the first X, it doesn't work, it'll just try the next X. And there's something about the XX brain that we're now starting to have research about why women live longer. Mm-hmm. But regardless of all of that, the majority of 80% of men die married, 80% of women die die, um, yeah, die alone. Carolyn, this is absolutely fascinating. And I feel like you have been so successful to gently nudge, and maybe for those that needed it, a swift kick in the butt to have action. Number one, to put our estate planning in order. But also my hope is for all of you that you have suffered a loss, that you go to Modern Widows Club. They have chapters in nearly every single state, and some states even several locations, group coaching, individual coaching, Content far beyond. I am always so impressed with the amount of content and most importantly, the voice that you give it, that it's just such helpful. It's delivered with a hug. And for all of you, like myself, who are advocates, there is a home for you 
at Modern Widows Club to join up in this carrying the torch. In fact, in some ways, your voice is just as important because some women are, again, in that place where one foot is going in front of the other, and we need to be ones that have the strength to speak on their behalf, to advocate on their behalf, because this is maybe not an issue that's directly affected you, but pretty much eight out of 10 of us listening here, we are going to be widows at some point in our lives, and we have no clue when that is going to happen. And you want to make sure that you are helping those that are going through this now so that they can lift you up and the resources are in place to support you when this happens to us. One of the most important things that we did at MWC during the pandemic was we worked with one of our widows who is a mental health therapist, and we developed a widow empowerment quiz. Women come to us that may be in hope. She's the you know, very first stage where you're bereaved and grasping to believe this has happened to you. But then the next step is heal. And that's a different phase. And then the next step after that is grow. That expands your world a little bit more. And then we all end up in the lead position, lead of our life, maybe the lead as an advocate. So that quiz is the very first empowerment step a woman does when they come to our organization on our homepage. They take that quiz and they answer the questions. There's something very powerful about allowing a woman to decide where the hell am I? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She answers those questions, she decides, and then she gets a score. And where is it? Hope, heal, grow, or leave. And so we meet women right where they are. Very important. We don't ask them how long it's been or where do you feel like you're at? No, we give them the tool to be able to decide where that is. And then they drop into our resources where they are. If they're already in lead, we're ready. You want to launch a local community? We have that for you. It's really important that we meet widowed women right where they are. And for them, they need to know where they're starting from. And so we love that hope, heal, grow, lead. And really everything we do goes through that cycle. We start really basic things and then get more complex. Then the widowed champion newsletter is what you were talking about earlier, where you can be a friend, a family member, a coworker pastoral care, a therapist, you can be on that. And that's six months. And that was also written by mental health therapists who are widows. Thing we produce very much. And so I learned so much from you in DC being on the International Widows Day Forum that it's like, I told everyone at the end, I go, what she said. <laughs> like you said it so well, because you understand the complexity of the financial health in a way, like, I feel like I knew a lot. But then after you spoke, I was like, no, she's my go-to girl, man. Anytime I have a question, I'm going to Stacy because I was so impressed by your passion and compassion and just the knowledge that you had, the widows you must have leaned in to listen to, to grasp that amount of knowledge. I was really impressed. So I just want to make sure I share that. Thank you. I just so honored to be involved and it just makes my heart so happy to feel like I'm making a difference. And I know we all want to do that. And so how do our listeners find the Modern Widows Club? And then I do not want you to go without dropping the fantastic news about your book. Oh, yeah. So modernwidowsclub.org, you can click around. 
find a community to plug into, whether that's in one of your local cities or virtual. We have women in our virtual community. We also have a survivors of suicide because that's a special group. And we also have a Spanish-speaking community, and we also have a Black community. Those voices are unique, and we wanted to give them their own platform. So we have those, and that's just under community. But our newest project that we've done is we're publishing our very first book called Legendary Widows, Stories of Legacy. And we're featuring 12 women's stories that really will inspire anyone who reads it, that even in the transition of going from wife to widow, they accomplished great things. And they not only carried on the legacy of love that was given to them, but then they started to create their own. These are really powerful. And you'll recognize some of the ladies like Terry Irwin from the Australia Zoo and Cindy McCain and Grace Michelle, Nelson Mandela's widow, and Coretta Scott King. Some of them you'll know, but others you won't. You may not know Helen Chavez or Osa Johnson or Tiata Thompson Fisher from Chickasaw Nation. You may not know these women, but boy, would you love them when you're done reading it. So that's coming out on July 25th on Amazon. Well, I cannot thank you enough for being here, Carolyn, and for all of you listening, all of the information to find out more about Modern Widows Club. We are going to make sure that that is in show notes and also a link to the book that you can easily go to on Amazon to get your own copy. I feel like it also is an unbelievable, kind-hearted gift to give to someone who you care about and to be able to just show that you're stepping alongside them in this journey and they're not walking that path alone. Thank you so much for joining us, Carolyn. I am so appreciative. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you for joining us for Financially Ever After Widowhood. Carolyn is one of the most vocal and staunch supporters of widows. And all of us can benefit from her awareness, her understanding of a topic that most likely we will all face. Eight out of 10 women will become widows sometime in their lifetime. This is a staggering number. And while many of us may not have been touched by the loss of a spouse, these statistics tell us that most likely we will. One of the biggest challenges women have is regarding finances and that big question of will I be okay? If you have that question, I encourage you to reach out to us here at Francis Financial. Our superpower is working with women like you, modeling out your financial life and giving you that crystal ball into your future with action steps and guidance to make sure that you are on track and we are there every step along the way. You can reach out to us at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at FrancisFinancial.com, or please do visit our website. There are fantastic resources at www.FrancisFinancial.com. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Financially Ever After Widowhood. If there's a question you'd love for us to answer on the podcast, we can do that for you. All you have to do is give us a call and the number is 
347-682-5580. Let me say that again, 347-682-5580. Whether you're working with an advisor or you're maybe doing it on your own, we invite you to reach out to us at www.francisfinancial.com or you can email me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. Our hope is to be a resource for you to help you also find a great financial advisor, whether that be with our firm or one of our trusted colleagues. Please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast and join us next time on Financially Ever After Widowhood.